Tonight, we're going to be in Psalm 136. I don't know about you, but I absolutely love this time of year. And praise God, it's finally cool in the state of Florida. And uh, for those of you who are Floridians, anybody in the room that's, that, that you've grown up, you were born and raised here in Florida? Come on, make some noise in the house. That's you. All right. Good stuff. There's uh, usually a lot of folks in the state of Florida that are from other places like me. I'm from the great state of Ohio, but I love living in the state of Florida. But uh, around this time of the year, especially when it's cool outside, this is the time when all the Floridians bring out like, you know, that one sweater that they own, you know, and uh, <laughs> that scarf. You don't, you're not even quite sure how to wear it, but you put it on anyway, you know. I love this time of year. I love the month of November. And during this month alone, I don't necessarily think in words. I think in pictures. You think, Jay, that's kind of weird. I don't care. You say, what pictures come to your mind? Do you really want to know? I'll tell you. The pictures that come to my mind during this time of the month is uh, turkey. Anybody looking forward to some good turkey next week? I know I am. Yes. Maybe more of a ham person. Maybe you don't like meat. Okay, that's cool. I'm looking forward to the pictures that come to my mind is turkey and mac and cheese. And uh, in my family, I grew up with uh, a particular kind of mac and cheese. It was uh, Patty LaBelle mac and cheese. Uh, which basically meant if you didn't have diabetes, you were going to get it after you eat it. Because there's all kinds of cheeses that go in it. And I'm just like, I'm going to die anyway. So go ahead and put the cheese on there, you know. Stuffing. And maybe you come from a family when it comes to dessert. Uh, any pumpkin pie lovers here in the house? Pumpkin pie lovers? Yeah, that's, that's you. For me and my family, we love sweet potato pie. Yes, indeed. Yeah. And so those are the pictures that come to my mind, Okay. If there is one word that comes to my mind in the month of November, I think about it is the word Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. I actually love how this word is defined. Uh, In the Webster's Dictionary, the word Thanksgiving is uh, defined this way. The expression of gratitude, especially to God. If there is one person who deserves our gratitude, our, our, our Thanksgiving, his name is God. My pastor growing up, he used to say this. He said, man, if I had 10,000 tongues, I could not thank God or praise him enough because he is just that good. And he is just that good. For those of you who are in the room tonight, who have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, you know he's good. Uh, There's many of you who are in the room, who you are today, not the same person you were maybe a couple of weeks ago or a couple of months ago or, or several years ago. Because when Jesus, when he comes into your life, he does not leave you the same. Oh, he will meet you as you are, but he will not leave you as you are. Scripture says that for those who are in Christ, he makes you a brand new creation. I'm so grateful for that. Tonight, as we are going to be jumping into Psalm 136, just for a couple of moments here tonight. Let me just tell you a couple of things. We don't really know who wrote this psalm, but we do know it was sung in Solomon's temple. You say, Jay, where do you get that from? Well, actually, if you just uh, write these, these books down, 2 Chronicles chapter 7, you can reference that later. It, uh, you'll notice there it talks about this particular psalm that was sung in Solomon's temple. It was sung by the armies of Jehoshaphat when they sang themselves into victory in the wilderness of Tekoa. It was a song that was filled with praise. Yes, and with thanksgiving. The way this song was sang then would have been known as uh, an antiphonal choir. Do we have any musicians 
in the room? Come on, make some noise. Raise your hand in the room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see you say, whoop, whoop, whoop. I saw you. <laughs> a tympano choir. You say, Jay, what in the world is in a tympano choir? I'm glad you asked. It's one choir that splits into two different parts. And maybe you have seen this before where you have a, a big choir. Kind of like a call and response where one part of the choir, maybe they're saying, God is good. And the other part of the choir would, would respond, all the time. Hopefully they sound better than that. But tonight for this devotional, as we walk through Psalm 136, I want you to imagine, okay, that you are in Sister Act, okay, for a moment. You ever seen that movie before? We all got our choir robes on. And uh, as we walk through this passage of scripture, I'm going to make it very easy on you, okay? The one statement that you are going to say is this, his love endures forever, okay? His love endures forever. I want you to try it. Ready? Say, his love endures forever. Now I want you to say it like you mean it, okay? Like you believe it, all right? Say it again. His love endures forever. Okay. We're going to do it one more again. You ready? Say it again. His love endures forever. You got it. So I'll read a portion. And when I pause, it's going to be your time to respond, okay? With his love endures forever. The psalmist comes out of the gate and he says, Give thanks, the verses will be on the screen. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. Okay, you say it. His love. Give thanks to the God of gods. Give thanks to the Lord of lords. Y'all sound good. To him who alone does great wonders. Who by his understanding made the heavens. Who spread out the earth upon the waters. Who made the great lights. The sun to govern the day. The moon and the stars to govern the night. To him who struck down the firstborn of Egypt. Now listen, this thing should be building, okay? So you should be, by the time we get to the end of, uh, end of this, you should be like jumping out of your seat, okay? So you need to be building, okay, with that phrase, his love endures forever, all right? Okay. And brought Israel out from among them. His love Here we go. Forever. With a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. His love endures forever. There we go. To him who divided the Red Sea asunder. His love and brought Israel through the midst of it. Ah, oh, here we go. But swept Pharaoh and his army into the Red Sea. To him who led his people through the wilderness. To him who struck down great kings. And killed mighty kings. Sihon, king of the Amorites. And Ah, king of Bashan. And gave their land as an inheritance. An inheritance to his servant Israel. I love this part. He remembered us in our lowest state. And freed us from our enemies. Oh, we're almost to the end. He gives food to every creature. Y'all looking forward to that part. To the food part. Give thanks to the God of heaven. Come on. His love endures forever. Somebody say amen in the house. For his love that endures forever. 
The psalmist, he comes right out of the gate in verse 1 and he says, give thanks. Give thanks. It is this active plural imperative now. Another way of saying that is he's saying, let us all give thanks. Give thanks to who? Well, the psalmist, I don't want you to miss this. He uses three primary Old Testament names for God. Actually, if you have your Bibles open, you'll be able to see that there. We can put it on, on the screen here. In verse 1, he says in verse 1 of this, of this chapter, give thanks to the Lord. Now, don't miss this. Lord is all capitalized there. You see that? Give thanks to the Lord. L-O-R-D, capitalized. And the Hebrew name there is Jehovah, meaning the great I am. He's saying, give thanks. Let us all give thanks. Thanks, man, to the Lord, Jehovah, the great I am. Then he uses this phrase. He says, the God of gods. Verse 2. The God, capital G, of gods, lowercase g, Elohim. The supreme one. In verse 3, he says, give thanks to the Lord of lords. Now, what do you notice that's different about the, the first Lord that's there in verse 3? It's one capital there, the L, Lord of Lords. Another way of saying this, to give thanks, he's saying the Lord of Lords to Adonai, our master. The psalmist, he comes out of the gate and he says, let us all give thanks to Jehovah, the great I am. Let us all give thanks to God of God's Elohim, the Supreme One. Let us all give thanks to the Lord of Lord, Adonai, Master. Starting in verse 4, the psalmist begins to lay out the reasons why, man, we ought to be filled with praise and thanksgiving to this God. I love what he says in verse 4. He starts off by saying, first of all, he talks about the wonder of God. Let us give thanks for the wonder of God. In verse 4, he says, to him who alone does great wonders. Another way of saying that is, he is in a class all by himself. My brothers and my sisters, I'm not sure if you know this or not, but there is no one else like our God. The God who we sang about tonight, the God who Lauren testified, who she was bragging on here tonight, and the God of the scriptures, there is no one else like him. He is in a class all by himself. And I'm not sure if you discovered this at all, but you and I, we make terrible gods. Oh, but God, the God of scripture, he's a good God. He says, let us give praise for the wonder of God And then in verses 4 through 9, he says, man, let us give thanks for the wonder of creation. Verses 4 through 9, he says, to him who alone does great wonders, who by his understanding made the heavens, who spread out the earth upon the waters, who made the great lights, the sun to govern the day, the moon and the stars to govern the night. He's an incredible creator. On Sunday, or on Saturday, actually, I got on a plane, left Tampa, didn't go too far. Although when I got to where I was going, it felt pretty far. It felt very different. A place called Pensacola, Florida. Anybody from there in the, in the room here today? Yes. Yes. Where's Libby at? Is Libby here? Yes. 
I was there. Lydia's from Walnut. Didn't get a chance to see Walnut, but was in Pensacola, and as I was flying, it was amazing. You ever look out the window when you're flying? It's pretty amazing, man, to see the fingerprints of God throughout creation. Clouds, the bodies of water, we were, uh, as we were taken off. Now, when we got to Pensacola, all I saw was weeds, you know, but that's another story. There's still a good God there in Pensacola, too. But there's a reason why Libby came from Pensacola to Tampa. I'm just saying, I'm messing around. He said, if you want to think of a reason, man, why to give praise and thanksgiving to this God, look at creation. Creation, man, testifies of the goodness of God. Does anybody like being out in nature? Anybody in the room? Like, if you have a chance just to go maybe to the mountains or just been out in nature, it's amazing. I remember there was a time when I lived in New York, and specifically in Scroon Lake, New York. It's in the Adirondacks, up in the middle of nowhere, pretty close to Canada. Pretty amazing. I love living up there, being able to, I love living there, I should say, for a short period of time, okay, because the winter there is brutal, all right? But in the fall, man, seeing the leaves begin to change and the mountains and Scroon Lake was a lake that's right there on the water. Just absolutely gorgeous. Testifies of the goodness of God. Genesis 1.1 says, in the beginning, God, he created. The heavens and the earth, now the earth was formless and empty and darkness, scripture says, was over the surface of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Did you hear how the earth looked in the very beginning? Scripture says that it was formless, it was empty, it was dark. Yet, as you continue on throughout Scripture, you see that God, He created something absolutely beautiful. From human beings to animals, creatures, absolutely amazing. And everything that He put His hand to, Scripture says it was what? It was good. And I want to tell you something tonight. He created you. And it's very possible that even as you are here sitting under the sound of my voice in your life, maybe you even feel that way. You feel void. You feel empty. Maybe you feel like there's darkness, but you feel without form. God is still making something beautiful out of nothing. And even tonight, he can do that in your own life. God can give shape where, where your life and soul is without form. God can fill your empty cup until it overflows. God can fill the dark areas of your life with his light. As the psalmist goes on, he says, let us give thanks for what else? For the wonder of redemption. Verses 10 through 26. I love it. He says in verse 10 in this passage here, to him who alone struck down the firstborn of Egypt and brought Israel out from among them with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Now, I want to pause for a moment. I want to give you a moment just to testify. How many of you in your life, you've experienced the mighty hand of God in your life? I know that. Come on, raise your hand. He still has a mighty hand. He still is able, man, to snatch us out of, man, dark situations and infuse our life with hope. Verse 13, to him who divided the Red Sea asunder and brought Israel through the midst of it, but swept Pharaoh, in verse 15, and his army into the Red Sea. 
to him who led his people through the wilderness, to him who struck down great kings and killed mighty kings, Sihong, the king of the Amorites, and Og, the king of Bashan, and gave their land as an inheritance, an inheritance to his servant Israel. Verse 23, he remembered us in our low estate. I'm about to give you another chance to testify. Is there anybody in the room, life has brought you at some point in your life to a low place? Anybody? Now put your hands down. Now how about, for those of you who raise your hand, how, how many of you experience God meets you there in that low place? I know that I have. I love that the Lord, he remembers us in our low estate, a low place. He doesn't forget about us. Chris, a couple of weeks ago, you gave a powerful testimony. You bragged on God and what he did in your life. We talked about here how you are a trophy of God's grace. God remembered you in a low place, didn't he? Lauren, even tonight, she, and she was bragging on God and what he's done in her life. He remembered you in a low place. He didn't forget about you. Be encouraged here tonight because it may be possible that one of the reasons why God brought you here tonight is because you are in a very low, dark, and lonely place. And you may feel like God has forgotten about you. But listen to me. Be encouraged. He hasn't forgotten about you. He knows exactly where you are. And he's willing to meet you right where you are. God thinks about us when we're in a low place and he'll meet us there. The psalmist says, I can give you a few reasons to give thanks to God. Give thanks to him for the wonder of God because he's in a class all by himself. There is no one like him. Never has been and never will be. Give thanks to him and for the wonder of creation. Give thanks to him for the wonder of redemption. He redeems. He rescues us from dark places and we give him, give him the chance to. But as I read through this passage of scripture, I noticed. I noticed, Daniel. I noticed something in this passage of scripture. There was one praise that was left out of this psalm here. Maybe it's because it's been left up to us to finish the rest out. The wonder of salvation. You see, Christ had not yet come. Not here, not at this time in, in the passage of scripture, but he was coming. Jesus the Christ. Let me remind you, or for some of you, maybe you need to hear it for the first time, that God's original design of the world, it was perfect. There was no need to lock your doors at night, put on the alarm system, have cameras. Nah, it was good. He was a great designer. And so was the relationship between God and man. It was not interrupted. It was perfect. Can you imagine that? No shame, no guilt, no sin. It was a perfect relationship between God and man, just the way that God wanted to be. But sin entered the world, according to Scripture. In Genesis chapter 3, sin enters into the world, and wherever sin is, there is brokenness and there is death. Not only physical death, like emotional death, relational death, oh, there was death that entered into the world because of one man's sin, according to the scriptures. Disobedience had shattered the picture, that perfect picture between God and man, and it interrupted this perfect relationship that God had with man and man had with God. The Christ, Jesus the Christ, he came. Oh, did he come? 
2,000 years ago, he came to win humanity back one person at a time. Praise God. Somebody say praise God in the house. Scripture says, man, that he was 100% God and 100% man. Oh, he came. He came and he preached the gospel and then people were, man, being liberated and lives were being changed. But there were some haters. Have you ever met some haters before in your life? I know I have. There were some haters that did not like Jesus. And they schemed and they said, man, we need to kill this dude. But it was all a part of God's plan. They got a hold of him one night, according to the scriptures, and they made him go from one place of judgment to another place of judgment. They made him carry a wooden cross, according to the scriptures, 650 yards up to Calvary's mountain. He was bloody. He was bruised. He was beaten. Crown of thorns were placed on his head. Those who knew Jesus couldn't even recognize him because he was beaten so badly. But he went through all that for you and for me. Scripture says that he died. He died on that Friday. According to the scriptures, he was placed in a tomb. Those who loved Jesus, they wept and they mourned, but it was all a part of God's plan. He wasn't going to stay in that tomb for too long. It was a borrowed tomb. And according to the scriptures, three days later, Jesus, he rose with all power and authority in his hand. He is alive. Amen. Amen. And yes, even today, if you were to go back, man, from what I understand, back to that tomb, it would be an empty tomb there. You're not going to find Jesus there. There is an empty tomb, but an occupied throne. And Jesus, he's there. He has come to win us back. He's already done the hard part by giving up his life. And by the way, he voluntarily laid down his life. No one made him do that. I love what scripture says, by the way, in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 3 to 4, it says, Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. He was buried and he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. And he is alive today, offering life to anyone who receives it. That includes you. One of the passions of our heart of this ministry is we are passionate about making Christ's name known. We are passionate, man, to see those who are far away from Christ come close and step into a relationship with him. And even tonight, you say, Jay, you don't know me. You don't know the places I've been, the things I've thought about, the things I've done with my hands, the things I've seen with my eyes. I am a sinner. There's no way a holy and a righteous God would love me. Oh, he came for those who are sick. He came for the sinner. He came just for you. He died for you. He resurrected from the grave for you. And all you have to do this Thanksgiving season is admit to God that you are a sinner. And believe that when he died, he died for you and call on him through prayer and ask him to save you. He'll give it to you. Oh, the psalmist, he says, give thanks.